Warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. up everyone and welcome to whiskey sex talk we are your host romeo and maria and kim welcome everybody welcome to the show everybody so maria we missed you you were under the weather we missed you so i much. was but i am back you're back Yay. better than ever <laughs> <laughs> well we're glad that you're feeling better and you're you're back so um and break. i'm glad to be back thank you Yay. Yay. So great things. I'm excited about this episode, like all episodes, but really, Kim, I'm just going to give this to you. We're just going to start. We're going to get started to talk about Canadian whiskey. I'm really psyched about this because it's there's so much that I don't know about Canadian whiskey. And you're here to tell us a little bit more about it. So yeah, I'm really, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. So I just want to say, like, can you just talk about the history of Canadian whiskey to start off? Sure. So um, Canadian whiskey is such a complex subject. It, there are so many, it's different in so many ways from other kinds of whiskey. I mean, people, a lot of times people think, oh, it's just kind of similar to American bourbon, but um, it's, it's actually quite different. So the one similarity is that, um, like American distillers in the, you know, early, early days when America was getting settled, um, Canadian distillers, uh, were basically distilling rum because they were mainly on along the Atlantic coast and they were part of the, um, sugar trade with the, you know, with the Caribbean. So there's a lot of molasses, they were making rum. So, Canadian distilling uh, really the way it is today with grains really started when um, the immigrants, which are uh, mainly German and English immigrants, started moving west and grain became the predominant, uh, you know, surplus grain became the uh, predominant um, ingredient used to distill whiskey. So and then the other thing is, you know, uh, Canadian whiskey is uh you know, a lot of people think, oh, rye whiskey, that's all that Canadian whiskey, you know, Canada makes and Canadian distillers. But it was actually wheat whiskey. Um, that's what mainly grew in Canada back in the day. And so it was almost predominantly wheat whiskey. And and like most distillers, um, it was surplus grain. You know, they they couldn't do anything else with this grain before it went bad. So they distilled it and put it in barrels, which were easier to transport. Mm. Um, but uh the other thing is that, um, you know, the, the idea was, oh, well, rye is, you know, Canadian whiskey. But in fact, there's very little rye in most Canadian whiskey. The the rye was added because German and English, uh, German and Dutch immigrants and distillers wanted a little bit more flavoring to their whiskey rather than because whiskey tends to be very delicate. It, it carries flavor well, but it doesn't have a lot of flavor on its own. Um, so they asked to have like rye whiskey um, added, uh, you know, just a little bit to add, you know, flavoring. And then that became kind of the dominant whiskey for many, many years. And then um, wheat whiskey pretty much disappeared. 
That's interesting uh, that you mentioned about the uh, about uh, rye because I was gonna uh, that was my I was gonna comment on that because I I was uh, I thought it was rye uh, that was used, but uh, I guess they, as long as it possesses the aroma, taste, and character, what is considered Canadian whiskey, that's what it, that I'm assuming that's correct, right? Well, I mean, there's <clears throat> it doesn't have as many regulations as American whiskey. I mean, like bourbon, for instance, has very specific regulations. Um, Canadian whiskey is a little more is a little looser. Uh, but you know, the interesting thing is um rye whiskey, whether rye whiskey and Canadian whiskey have become kind of synonymous, and that is completely legal. You know, it's it's that you know, there's nothing against that, but it's given rise to a misunderstanding that Canadian whiskey is always rye whiskey. And that's, in fact, uh, it has very little, usually it has very little rye whiskey. It tends to be lighter and elegant and a mix of multiple grains, which, you know, I can, I can talk about a little later, but um, so that's kind of the, the history of, of Canadian whiskey. And, um, you know, there was also a lot of uh, different distilleries that obviously popped up. Um, but it's a very kind of a patchwork uh, set of laws with Canadian whiskey. So it's it's uh, uh, one of the most controversial um, elements is that uh, caramel and flavoring agents could be added. So that means so caramel coloring, you know, which gives it color, uh, but then flavoring agents and what flavoring agents are uh, is there. It's basically one of the two different kinds of whiskey uh, that are made, Canadian whiskey is made with two streams of whiskey, as they're called. Um, and one of them is what they call the base whiskey, which is developed almost, is developed at a very high proof, almost like vodka, you know, so it's a neutral grain spirit. Um, and then the other is, uh, and, and that's, you know, most of the, and then when it's put into a barrel, it gets a lot of the congeners, which are the chemicals that produce flavor in whiskey. Uh, from the barrel. Then there's the flavoring whiskey, uh, which is um, at, at a you know distilled to a low alcohol content, and then that um, emphasizes the grain uh, whiskeys. Okay, that's some really interesting information. And um, so my next question, I, I guess you sort of dove into this a little bit, but what are some of the really the defining characteristics of Canadian whiskey. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. because I was, I was literally thinking about that right now. Well, um, you know, one of the big differences between Canadian whiskey and American whiskey <clears throat> is that um, American whiskey, uh, American whiskeys, uh, all of them, all of the grains are put together right from the beginning. So the grains are it, the mash bill, as it's called. So, mm. um, you know, all the grains are put together and then they're uh, fermented together, they're distilled together, and then they're matured together in the in the barrels. The big difference with Canadian whiskeys is that um, it uh, the all of the grains that go into the whiskey are matured or are uh, distilled, fermented, distilled, and matured separately, and then blended together. So it's in a way, it's kind of like blended scotch. And um, as opposed to all of those grains going in, you know, initially uh, together. So and that uh, so they can really refine it when they start blending it. 
And that's why Canadian whiskey tends to be a little lighter, a little bit more elegant because they can uh, really control the, you know, the mash bills. Um, so each each grain is done as a separate mash bill. Um, it's not really a mash bill. It's each grain is distilled separately. And so they can really pick and choose. And the blending is, you know, on a level that's, you know, much higher than, for instance, uh, you know, a scotch whiskey even. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, American, I mean, a Canadian whiskey, um, really uh, the distilleries don't tend to um, interact with each other in terms of like, you know, Scottish whiskey, uh, you know, they'll, a distillery will say, oh, I'll buy a bunch of grain barley from you and you give me a bunch of yeast. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, simplifying it, but Canadian whiskey tends to be thought of as one, a one single distillery whiskey. So they very rarely trade grains or trade, you know, yeast. It's just everybody kind of, each distillery kind of produces their own whiskey kind of in-house. Very similar to Japanese whiskey, actually. That's that's interesting because it gives you kind of autonomy to create your, you know, your your version of uh, Canadian whiskey. Now, I know you're, you're touching about, uh, you're, you're talking about this, but how, how is uh, Canadian whiskey different to American whiskey well, as I said, you know, the the production is, you know, very different. Right, right, right. Um, the use of the flavoring whiskeys is very different. Uh, American whiskey, you know, as we've talked about uh, in other episodes, um, it ha- or it's highly regulated, much, much more regulated than Canadian whiskey. So, you know, by law, uh, bourbon whiskey has to be 51% corn. Uh, it has to go into a virgin charred new oak, you know, barrel, uh, before, and then matured usually for, you know, at least two years to be called straight whiskey. And usually it's longer, uh, Canadian whiskey, um, you know, there's, there's none of that. It has to be this much percentage because they're distilling grains separately. So, um, they, uh, and so it ends up being much lighter and they can, as you say, can control it more. Uh, and the, uh, in the, here's the interesting thing about, uh, American whiskey versus Canadian whiskey. There's a set of rules, but it's, that's the national rule, but really regionally, each each region has its kind of own uh, you know distilling rules. So it's which is completely different from pretty much any it place else. So Italian. you know it's so big that they talk about regional laws versus you know there's the the federal law, but then there's all kinds of laws you know in different regions you know like in Ontario Ontario or Quebec or you know so very very different. So that's extremely different from American whiskey. That's so fascinating that you're a distillery and you have a unique. Opportunity opportunity here to create your own mash bill and really focus on giving a specific attention to each grain. Yeah. And what's interesting is that Canadian whiskey was the dominant whiskey in America yes. until about 2010. That's so, right. I know that. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, and then bourbon took over at right. about, yeah, about 2010. But uh, Canadian whiskey is still the number two selling whiskey in the U.S. I love that. And now, Romeo uh, mentioning some of the flavors, that actually leads me to my next question is, tell us, I'm sorry, um, about these flavoring whiskeys. What are they and what does that mean? 
Well, it's a, uh, I mentioned I touched on it a little bit, um, but it's it's kind of confusing. There's so um, Canadian whiskeys have, the, as I kind of mentioned, they have these two streams, uh, whiskey streams. So the first is that you know kind of very high proof. Uh, but basically, what they're doing is they are distilling to almost like a neutral spirit, like a vodka is almost a neutral spirit. So it's it's distilled, so it has very little taste of its own. Uh, you know, from the grains. And so when it goes, when that whiskey goes into the barrel uh, and interacts with the barrel, that's where it gets a lot, you know, a lot of the color, but a also a lot of the grain, I mean, of the barrel characteristics. So caramel, uh, vanilla, you know, a lot of those notes, um, oak, uh, whereas the flavoring agent is complete, done as a completely separate stream, whiskey stream, as they call it, it's distilled um, at a low alcohol level. Uh, and so what that does is it really um, brings out the flavors of the grains specifically. So, and then the two are melded together and there's, you know, that's, it. it is probably more similar to Japanese whiskey than it is to any other kind of whiskey, but it's unique, the idea of a flavoring whiskey. So, and that's just these, these very low alcohol, highly flavorful uh, whiskeys that emphasize the grains. And is that more particular to Canadian whiskey than other whiskeys, these flavoring whiskeys? Yes. I mean, it, I, to my knowledge, um, I mean, as I said, in Japan, I think there's probably a version of that because they do right. so many things in-house. But to my knowledge, um, flavoring whiskeys are really unique to Canada because they have these two streams and they, you know, distill every grain separately. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, play around with things and change it and also, you know, kind of create these elegant uh, whiskeys that Canadian whiskeys are known for. Uh, well, you know, I was going to ask you um, here, what was Canada's role during the Prohibition period? Oh, that's so interesting. I love talking about prohibition. Me too. <laughs> so, um, well, so interestingly, um, Canada had a little bit of a prohibition before um, a temperance movement, I should say, <clears throat> before um, uh, American prohibition. Uh, so Canadian whiskey, uh, the Canadian whiskey industry um, was hit by prohibition in Canada a little early, about a couple of years earlier than in America. So they're like right around 1916, there's a temperance movement. It depressed the whiskey industry in Canada, but they were still exporting to the U.S. Um, but it was it was. Um, the temperance movement hurt. It was never as bad as it was in prohibition, uh, you know, prohibition in the U.S., but it did dampen um, revenues and it did, uh, you know, affect the distillery. So that's when some of the consolidation began, you know, so Hiram Walker, you know, you know, Guttersham Wards, you know, some of the big guys, which I'll talk about Seagram's, you know, kind of starting to buy each other up. Um, but they were still uh, exporting whiskey to uh, the U.S. Then when prohibition hit, um, well, uh, uh, Harry Hatch was a, a bar owner and salesman um, for one of the big whiskey distilleries, and he had a bar right on the lake, uh, you know, across from the U.S. So a lot of fishermen came to the to his bar and he convinced all of them uh, to start exporting, you know, well, rum running <clears throat> the whiskey across the lake to the U.S. So that's what an uh, interesting fact 
bootlegging is considered, uh, you know, illegal whiskey trade on land. Rum running is considered on water. water whether right, or not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this. Whether or not yeah. it's on sea or on a lake. <clears throat> so, I mean, huge, huge amounts of whiskey were coming into Canadian whiskey were coming into the U.S. from Canada and a lot through, you know, Harry Hatch's uh, network of fishermen, rum runners. And he became so successful that um, after Prohibition, he was able to buy four of the big distilleries. So really a big consolidation. So um, that was, he became immensely rich from that. And the reason I'm asking this question is because a lot of people out there don't know, or are they, they're under the assumption, right, uh, that I just want to say this, that Prohibition did not make Canadian whiskey popular in the U.S. The Civil War did because many of the whiskey distilleries in the South were either like abandoned or destroyed during the Civil War battles. And since the troops were using the whiskey as anesthetic, like they turned to to Canada to import Canadian whiskey to fill the gap while, you know, their stores were dried up, which is I, I love that little piece of like history that that uh, that that how Canada is so tied into our history. The American so whiskey. It's, it's yeah, amazing. it's amazing. It's so that's great. Yeah, that's such a great fact. I love that fact, too. So, yeah. Speaking of more history, um, who are some of the notable personalities in the Canadian whiskey industry today and, you know, from the past? Generally speaking, there were, to my knowledge, and and uh, Romeo, you may, or Maria, you may have other, uh, uh, you know, insight about this. But the dominant um, distillery owners were all male. There was um, Hiram Walker. There was uh, Woodersham Warts. There was uh, uh, Gooderman, um, uh, J.P. Weiser, Seagram. So a lot of those names that are you know still familiar today. But those were kind of the what would they call the dynastic uh, you know figures in who kind of created the whiskey industry the oligarchs. and a lot of that bought up and yes go ahead no the oligarchs I was going to say the oligarchs <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh they uh but then um i mean today i would say couple of very influential people. Um, one is Dr. Don Livermore. He's the master blender for Hiram Walker. And uh, he is he is one of the few master blenders in the world. He not only has a, a, a you know Bachelor of Science in microbiology, but he has both a Master of Science and a PhD in distilling and um, from uh, Harriet Watt uh, University, which is the distillery school, basically, wow. for people around the world. So he's amazing. He's just he's a giant in the whiskey industry. I mean, globally, he created uh, the Canadian what's called the Canadian flavor wheel, but um, it's used pretty widely outside of Canada where he identified flavor notes. This is one of, you know, this is something all master blenders do, but um, he really identified, okay, these are the notes from separate grains. These are the notes from wood, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just a really comprehensive wheel that's used all over the world. And he's fascinating to talk to and, you know, really just so fun, but educational in a way that, um, you know, it's not like, oh, your eyes are rolling back in boredom. Uh, the other person that I think is is very notable in Canadian whiskey is uh, Davin de Kermago. And he's the author of Canadian Whiskey, the Portable Export, which is just the Bible about uh, Canadian whiskey. It's just everything you would want to know. History, uh, personalities, flavor, 
you know, the different, you know, dynasties uh, in Canadian whiskey, uh, the rum running, the, you know, just everything. He, he That book is, it's really just a Bible. He's, you know, I think he was one of the first people who really brought Canadian and understanding of Canadian whiskey to whiskey aficionados when it started to become famous. So, um, and it's still, I think Canadian whiskey is, um, you know, very misunderstood. Uh, you know, Dr. Livermore thinks that Canadian whiskey is the, can, you know, really has the most complexity and the most capability for complexity of any whiskey on the planet, because there's just so many different ways to combine it. Um, Japanese whiskey similarly, but uh, it's a little bit more of a closed system. So everything in Canada, uh, all Canadian whiskey is made in Canada. Canada, that's a difference between Japanese whiskey, which is a lot of times whiskey is made outside of Japan and then brought in to be bottled or aged. I mean, that's kind really? of changing. But oh, I didn't. That's then that, that doesn't make a Japanese whiskey. I'm sorry to say that. I don't want to say that. Legally, you know, you can. It, you can you can bring it in and age it in the and so the the idea is that bringing it and putting it in different barrels, you know, changes it or you're blending it with a with Japanese whiskey. There's a lot of different ways. Recently and and again, this is probably a topic for a Japanese whiskey episode, but which I'm I'm sure we will be doing, but that is um, there's there's been laws that have have come up recently in the past year or two that uh, address that that very issue. Now here's what I want to know: seventy percent yeah. of Canadian whiskey is exported to the U.S. With that being said, I want to know is what are some notable brands that our listeners should be looking for? Well, I have to say that I am a fan of the Hiram Walker brands, um, partly because Dr. Livermore is involved. Uh, so J.P. Weiser's, uh, Guttersham and Warts. Um, I'm a huge fan of Lot 40. Uh, that was a, that was became kind of a cult whiskey. It was almost like the Pappy Van Winkle of uh, Canadian whiskey because it, it was uh, it wasn't available in the U.S. for a while. And people kind of lost their minds because they couldn't get it. And then it kind of, then it was brought back. And, but it's, it remains one of the most flavorful whiskeys I've ever tasted. It's just, just amazing. So, um, so a lot of the Hiram Walker brands, and that was, uh, you know, like a lot of the Canadian brands um, that, uh, that distillery and all of their products, you know, were acquired by Pernod Ricard. So, um, you know, that's a place to look for them. but they, you know, they're, and their quality the quality of all those brands are just impeccable. So um, that's, those would be the ones I, I would look for Hiram Walker brands. Again, JP Weiser's, as I said, lot 40 are two of my, my personal favorites. So what's going on with craft distilleries in, in, in Canada? Um, craft distilleries in Canada, you know, there is not uh, as much of a resurgence or, you know, kind of interest as in um, American whiskeys. You know, American, there's a lot of craft right, distilleries yeah, yeah. and, you know, partly partly because of this idea that, uh, you know, in America, bourbon can be made anywhere as long as you stick to those standards. Um, craft distilleries, you know, just the idea of the the um, two streams, the two whiskey streams, uh, you know, that that is a strain for a lot of smaller craft distilleries. So uh, there's not the proliferation of, of craft distilleries in Canada uh, as there are in the U.S. And even though it's just as big, but it it kind of a, it's a simplified process, you know, to, you know, the idea, again, is that Canadian whiskey 
You, if you were making a whiskey that has uh, wheat, barley, and corn, you would do the wheat first. You would distill the right, wheat right. first, and you know all the way through aging. Then you would do the barley. Then you would do the corn. So that's a lot, that's a and month, you know, yeah. it's a lot of distilling, a lot of aging. Um, you know, so that's a big strain for a smaller craft just, distillery. Rather than going to dump the grains in, you know, ferment them, just mash them, and then send them off. So oh. it's and everything has to be blended afterwards. So it's a that's it, that's challenging for craft distilleries, I would say. So I, and I may be mistaken that there are you know ones popping up, but I'm glad you mentioned that because that was my that that was my thought process. I was like, okay, if everything's if all the grains are being uh, processed different, you know, they're doing. They all each one ha, has their own process. It's expensive, and if you're starting off, that alone is probably going to cost you a lot. So you either have to have someone backing you, or your branch of you've branched off from you know so and so distillery, uh, if that's a thing. Um, I just want to know this. I, I mean, you've said it, but probably Canadian whiskey. It's more. It costs more to 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 make than than other whiskeys? Well, you know, it's, I think the consolid, no, it actually doesn't. I mean, it's pretty, it's, it tends to be, it's still really well, it's one of the great work. bargains in whiskey. Oh, it's really, really one, of, one of the great bargains in whiskey. You know, a, a lot of people, it kind of uh, got a reputation for being a lesser whiskey. <laughs> and I think it was because of this idea, you know, what they call the, you know, that because of this idea of, you know, caramel and right, flavoring right, being right. added. You know, that was, I mean, it, people lose their minds on chat boards about that. It's like, oh my gosh. You know, in fact, it's very minimal. It's like one eleventh of the whiskey. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's actually not a really dominant part of the industry. I mean, and it's, it, you know, that itself is, is kind of inter interesting. You could add, uh, you could add wines, you could add, so you could add, but it has to be at least two years old. So you couldn't be adding like, tequila you could add what you know cognac or whiskey but you couldn't add for instance tequila or vodka so That's but it's so... it you know you're adding spirits theoretically but you know really um it's actually not that different from uh whiskeys that mature in uh, like a wine barrel for instance because there's still a lot of wine or cognac or whatever or sherry left in those barrels so you know it's kind of the same thing it's just that the whiskey you know the flavoring agents or the extra spirit is added to the whiskey as opposed to getting it from the barrel so much because different barrel barrel uses is, is very different with Canadian whiskey. I'm going to be honest. I don't know how I feel about that. Like the fact that they add the flavoring when you, when you said that earlier on, I'm like, it, I literally was like, how do I feel about that? And I, I don't, I still don't know how I feel about that because it's, it, it kind of, it's beautiful that their process is really unique and everything, but the flavoring is kind of like so off-putting a little bit. It, it just it doesn't it doesn't entice me to be like uh, I don't know. That's that's just me. <laughs> well, I think you know that's that's you know exactly. I think a lot of people feel that way, Romeo. I mean, that's why. Uh, but the but the thing to think about is you know just to put it in perspective, it's a very small amount and. Uh, it's actually, you know, I've, I've read that it is considered more of a footnote to a Canadian whiskey oh, production okay. than, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I think people from the outside think of it as a really dominant, uh, practice, but in fact, it's, you know, pretty minimal. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't play a huge factor. Thank you for that. Well, and you have mentioned some of the, um, men in the industry, 
that have made a significant impact in Canadian whiskey. Um, are there any women that you know of that we should know about? Well, uh, thank you, Maria. It's uh, it's interesting. At first, I want to just kind of start off with um, there was in 2018, there was a study done by uh, Our Whiskey, which was started by two very influential women in, in the scotch industry, uh, scotch and, and well, it, global whiskey, uh, Becky Paskin, uh, who had, uh, I think it was scotchwhiskey.com, and then Georgie Bell, who is an international brand ambassador. Um, she She's one of the only people, not just women, who passed, uh, you know, Harriet and Watts distilling course with, uh, with a, uh, you know, perfect score. So, but they have banded together uh, they've created this platform, educational platform called Our Whiskey, uh, and to see how women are represented in the industries. And to some extent, it's, you know, the focus was on how women were represented in the media, but, you know, kind of in in, uh, in general, um, the industry in general. And Canada was the uh, highest percentage of women you know, being represented in the media uh, and like 46% or in the forties wow. and yeah, very high, very oh, high. So, and, you know, much higher than Japanese, uh, Scotch American. So very, very interesting. Um, so uh, the, so there's some distiller, again, a lot of the distillers are, um, you know, focusing on uh, uh uh, gin because that's kind of easier to distill. Right. But one one person who stands out is Caitlin um, Quinn, who's a master distiller for Eau de Claire Distillery. And, you know, she described, you know, the first time she, uh, you know, released a blended whiskey, she was terrified. You know, she, you know, like uh, many, like many, you know, craft distilleries, uh, they start with gin and easy to produce products. And then then they go to the whiskey. And so, but, you know, it was very well received. Um, Jillian Rutherford uh, at Fernie Distillery, um, also, you know, a, a distiller of, you know, multiple kinds of, of, uh, of uh, you know, distilled alcoholic products. Um, and uh, so those are two kind of standouts, I would say, in the craft distillery, craft distilling industry. You know, and a lot of them are coming out of craft distillers, uh, craft distilleries, because, you know, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, it just costs a lot of money to open a whiskey distillery, especially if you're going to age that whiskey because you have right. to put the whiskey in the barrels and age it. And that's like you're basically putting money and you, know, you might as well just stuff dollar bills into a you know maturing <laughs> barrel because it takes, you know, usually two to four years to, to mature it. So, you know, what a lot of, I would say most of, unless you've got big bucks behind you, what you do is you start off, you're distilling gin, you're distilling rum, you're distilling vodka while your whiskey comes to term. Right, so right, those right. are, yeah. All right, well, thanks for that. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. I We are your host, Romeo. And Maria. And Kim. Till next time, we're out.